This talk was recorded by Insight Meditation South Bay in Mountain View, California. The speaker is Shyla Catherine. For more talks and information, visit www.imsb.org. So we're in the third week of a series on five preconditions for insight. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke about good friends. Last week, I spoke about virtue and restraint. Today, I'm going to speak about engaging in talk on the Dhamma. And in coming weeks, I'll speak about wise effort and wisdom. These are what are called the five preconditions for insight. So tonight I'm going to be focusing on engaging in talk on the Dhamma. Dhamma talk that is useful, inspiring, and supportive of practice. And this series of five qualities or or conditions are considered sequential because it's said that one who has good friends and practices virtue and restraint, it is expected that that one will devote their speech to discussions of Dhamma. And so we can consider, what do we talk about? What do we listen to? And how do we engage in verbal actions? Just think for a moment of the conversations you've had in the last few days. Consider the general topics that they were on. The quality of your engagement. The effects that they may have had on your energy, your mind. Some obvious harmful courses of speech might include gossiping and lying, condemning, comparing, judging, fault-finding, Blaming, just eating hearsay, engaging in idle chatter or crude, malicious, harsh speech. And some skillful courses of speech might include speaking honestly, sincerely inquiring, wisely reflecting, listening non-judgmentally, offering wise counsel and advice, sharing knowledge and skills, offering consoling, compassionate words, speaking precisely, carefully, patiently. Speech is such an important part of this path of liberation that in the Buddhist tradition it is one of the eight factors on the Noble Eightfold Path. It's one of the five ethical precepts and it composes eight of the wholesome and unwholesome actions. It's also one of the essential teachings on how to live in harmony in community. Perhaps the primary features of wise speech are the trainings to speak only what is both true and useful. Now this might sound like a very simple criteria to follow. And so you might wonder, How is it that a Buddhist approach to speech would differ from the basic lessons that you learned perhaps by the time you were four years old? 
The aspect of truthfulness, though, becomes profound, not just when we say words that are true, but when we contemplate what do we really know to be true. And the aspect of usefulness, what is useful, becomes profound when we bring a sensitive and wise assessment to the whole dynamic around a conversation so that we reflect on what's happening in the entire situation and what are the effects of the verbal actions that are, that are occurring. How does the conversation affect the people engaged in the discussion? What are the circumstances surrounding that conversation that brought it into being? What is your intention in the speaking? What is the quality of your presence? Some forms of malicious and useless talk are obvious. Gossiping, talking about TV characters as though they're real. Those are common things that we hear and that we engage in or have as conversations or we sit on a bus listening to people. And it's more or less useless. But the Buddha gave us another list, and he gave us a list of the kinds of conversation that he said were not worth the time that they took to speak. And they're mostly topics that lead to sluggishness, to distraction, to comparing conceit, agitation, envy, arrogance, or ill will, or attachment. In the Connected Discourses of the Buddha, he said, Talk not about kings, robbers, ministers, armies, panic and battle, food and drink, clothes, beds, flowers, garlands and perfumes. Yeah, I don't know how often you talk about perfume. But anyway... Relatives, vehicles, villages, suburbs, towns, districts, women and champions. Streets, gossip at the well, ghost stories, fabulous narratives about the origin of land and sea or being and non-being. Why? Because it is not profitable in the holy life. It does not conduce to understanding and nibbana. When you talk, talk, this is suffering. This is the cause of suffering. This is the end of suffering. This is the way leading to the end of suffering. Now, you might need to update a few of those. Okay, so maybe it's not talk at the well. It might be talk at the water fountain or in the break room. It might not be talk about kings. It might be talk about presidents or ministers. I don't know how frequently you talk about beds, but if you have a comfortable one, let me know. <laughs> flowers, I'm not sure how much there is to say about. Well, flowers can actually be interesting. There's some very interesting flowers. Okay. But a lot of social verbiage seems relatively harmless and innocuous, just a way of passing our time. Not Nothing that we would say is evil or harmful, certainly not malicious, and it may not even be clear why it would be called unwholesome. 
But a Buddhist practice of right speech implies a deeper inquiry into how we're spending our time. What verbal patterns are we reinforcing in our minds? And what are we conditioning in our mind and in our world? So we might think of right speech as an action that's positioned between mental action and bodily action, because there are three kinds of action in Buddhism. Mental action, verbal action, and bodily action. And as such, our speech reveals and reinforces certain ways of thinking, and it conditions and initiates certain kinds of physical action. And so we consider, how do we use conversation? How do we use reading, entertainment, radio, TV, movies, Dhamma tapes, downloads, iPods, whatever they are that you have, emails, books, all the various forms of social media. Does your engagement in conversation, in dialogue, and in social media further your tranquility, your insight, your wisdom, and the realization of peace? Even when you're listening to a Dhamma talk, is it just passing the time while you're jogging or on a long drive or on the treadmill? Or are you listening to it in a way that it could have an effect on you. In the Magiya Sutta, the Buddha describes several characteristics of a useful discourse. He said, furthermore, Magiya, a bhikkhu obtains at will, with no trouble or difficulty, talk that is effacing, a help in up opening up the mind, and which conduces to complete turning away dispassion, cessation, peace, direct knowledge, enlightenment, and nibbana. That is, talk about fewness of wishes, talk about contentment, talk about seclusion, talk about being non-gregarious, talk about putting forth energy, talk about virtue, talk about concentration, talk about wisdom, talk about deliverance, talk about knowledge and vision of deliverance when mind deliverance is as yet in mature magiya, this is the third thing that leads to its maturity. I don't know how many of you had had a conversation recently about deliverance or knowledge and vision. Perhaps virtue. Perhaps concentration. Perhaps contentment. I like this description because it describes the kind of speech that is encouraged. It's talk that is effacing, a help in opening up the mind, and which conduces to complete turning away, dispassion, cessation, peace, direct knowledge, enlightenment, and nibbana. That's the purpose, the Buddha is saying, of the speech that the monks should listen to, and engage in, and offer. 
Now, this first term, effacing, I find very interesting. So I looked it up in the dictionary, and it says to erase, to wipe out, to make disappear and withdraw. And so I ask you, when you engage in conversation, to what extent are you willing to withdraw? So often when we engage in conversation, we're putting something forth, in a way even pushing. To what extent is your mind open to possibility? Or does your talk more frequently reinforce pre-existing views, assumptions about self? To what extent is your conversation perpetuating personal preferences? Or does it incline the mind to see things dispassionately? To what extent do your conversations encourage letting go? Or do they dwell more upon things that reinforce attachments? To what extent do you habitually assert conceit, comparing, or some kind of arrogant position in your speech? Or even just subtly seek a confirmation of your personal standing through what you say or how you're heard? Do you engage in conversations that incline the mind towards release, towards letting go? And do you recognize the enormous good fortune it is to have any conversations that incline the mind towards dispassion, towards wisdom, and towards peace. It's a beautiful thing. But the real question is, to what extent are you willing to disappear? To what extent are you willing to disappear through the act of speaking or listening in a conversational dynamic? Can you let self vanish in the midst of dialogue? Now, very often it's in dialogue that we explore and that we learn. We're influenced by the people that we talk with and the inquiries that we engage in. We don't do this practice alone. We don't develop and cultivate this path alone. We gain inspiration through the words of others. We listen to teachings. We read books. We attend discussions, conferences, and nurture Dhamma friendships. This past weekend, I was at a Buddhist conference. It was a conference of Buddhist geeks. And it was very engaging. It was quite a delightful weekend. I mean, a group of few hundred people, all very bright people who love the Dhamma from all traditions. It was quite interesting, actually. There were small group meetings and presentations and keynote addresses and some rather dynamic conversations over meals in restaurants. <laughs> it was quite fun. 
Often the words and teachings of other people are what show us that there's another way, perhaps a better way, of seeing something and of being than the habits that we find ourselves caught by. Often we need to see something better in another person to get the inspiration that we too can change. In the middle-length discourses, the Buddha said that there are two conditions for the arising of right view, right understanding. Those two conditions are the voice of another and wise attention. To obtain this precondition for insight, to engage in conversation that is supportive of the path, we engage in conversations. We seek out conversations that will support the development of our path and our realization. This does not mean that we only talk with other Buddhists. The topics that are described in the Magiya Sutta include talk about fewness of wishes, talk about contentment, talk about seclusion, talk about being non-gregarious, which I personally find to be amusing that one would talk about not being gregarious. Talk about putting forth energy. Talk about virtue. Talk about concentration. Talk about wisdom. Talk about deliverance. Talk about knowledge and vision of deliverance. These are all topics that are basically about happiness, liberation, peace. It's not talking about Buddhist philosophy. So when you meet a friend for a walk or for lunch or for dinner, instead of just discussing all the projects that you're accomplishing and everything that you want to do and gain and have, consider the possibility of talking about what you want to let go of what you're giving away, what you don't need anymore, what you're renouncing or refraining from. Consider your speech so that it promotes effort and not laziness, wisdom and not ignorance, concentration and not distraction, deliverance rather than complacency. Our conversations do not need to be pretentious and you don't need to toss around poly terms or Buddhist jargon. But if the Dhamma is interesting to you, if it is important to you, why not practice speaking it? Why not incorporate it into your conversational life? I think we can bring our practice right into our everyday discussions with everybody, not just Dhamma friends, but everybody that we engage with. Notice what conversations, what topics come up in conversations. What conversations are you drawn into? And consider within those normal everyday conversations if there's some way you might incline it towards letting go, towards 
an expression of wisdom or of peace. Maybe there's some insight you can bring into the regular conversations that you have each day or some way you can engage in them that stops reinforcing this self-position and other position and instead brings with it a willingness to be present and empty in a verbal dynamic. So I'd like you to reflect for a few moments. How might you bring a Dhamma understanding into your ordinary, everyday conversations? Where might you practice this? How might you experience talk that is effacing? How might you experience letting go more frequently in conversation? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.